Blog Talk Radio. started it off right right what nothing like going into the intro and not turning on your mic welcome my minions my name is tom marquisell presidente i am your captain of the ship even if i didn't have my mic on in my opening dialogue there but we do this every saturday morning atop the balance studios in the west suburbs of indianapolis got a great show lined up for you this week We've got college football week seven, and we've got some good matchups to talk about. Going to be talking with Adam Jividen, our college football co-pilot, all-around good guy, Browns, uh, super Browns fan, Buckeyes, Guardians, super fan, uh, Cavaliers, super duper fan. He's just our our Swiss Army knight. We're going to be he's going to be joining us here in just a moment to be brief, break it down some college football week seven. Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest dot com and our official NASCAR contributor talks with us a little bit about NASCAR's Xfinity round of eight. Both start this weekend. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, NASCAR season is going to be fast and furious. See what I did there. They're out in Vegas this weekend. Where we talking about Ed Kratz, beat writer for SI.com and the unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles. And our official NFL contributor joins us to break down uh this week's games so also make sure you check us out on the land of the web www.thebalance i mean i'm sorry www.balancesportscast.com 917-889-8889-8516 is our digits stick around it's about to get good Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? 
Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 four four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Back to the balance. What I've saw, Mark with El Presidente. Time to kick things off. Joining us now is Adam Jividen. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. Good, 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 good. I uh, hope all is well with you. Glad to have you back on after a little bit of a hiatus here with you. We got some games to break out. Let's start with you being the Ohio State expert that you are big 10 matchup against purdue we got some two really big i i'm not really hyped about this other game we're going to talk about in a minute but nonetheless let's talk about ohio state and purdue ohio state on the road at purdue and uh, you know what I, i'm rooting for ohio state in this one I, I i really don't think there's much to root for not much to talk about but what are your thoughts on this game and and uh, give us your your high points, low points, and what to look at for this game uh, in uh, West Lafayette today. Yeah, I mean, this game should be for, – for Ohio State fans, this game is more about what happens next week um, when Penn State comes to Columbus than it is about this week. You know, last week against Maryland, <laughs> the offensive line was just kind of out of sorts. It was our – a noon kickoff. I hate the noon kickoffs. I hate <laughs> them. I've said I hate them for years. Because it typically seems that whoever is the favorite, especially if they're a heavy favorite, almost always just does not get off. It's like they just don't even get off the ball, you know. And so yeah. I, I, I just – I hate them. Um, 
and so I look at this and I go, okay, who is um, who is Ohio State trying to be in this game? Are they trying? The, the defense has been great all season. Are they going to try to establish the offensive line and the running game, or are they going to go towards just say open it up with the passing game and let the passing game open up the run game? We've tried it to do it where the running game opens up the passing game pretty much all season. It's been very hit or miss, very hit or miss. So, you know, I don't know. I, I wish I knew what team was going to show up. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> Look I <a> don't. <laughs> and, and that's, I think, that's that's where Ohio State fans have a, a lot of kind of consternation right now, you know? And and so I I think, I mean, the defense has been rock solid all season. Um, they switched from the hyper-aggressive defense of last year to more of a bend-but-don't-break style, um, which it, it gives the Ohio State offense less possessions. Teams just aren't scoring on Ohio State. Like, it has not happened. We saw Notre Dame get two touchdowns on what was at that point kind of a, maybe a little bit of a, a tired defense late in the third quarter. But, I mean, teams just are not scoring touchdowns on this Ohio State defense because they're we are counting on them to make mistakes, and that's exactly what they're doing um, because we're not giving up. They haven't given up a single play over 40 yards the entire season so far, which is incredibly impressive to have no essential breakdowns this deep into the season. Um, I expect Ohio State to win. I'm seeing scores, predictions of like 38 to 10. Um, I could see something like that. I think I, I just think this is going to be a more – Ohio State offensively still has growing to do. Um, this may not be the typical super high-scoring Ohio State team that we've seen the last six, seven years. But if we can score, we can score 30, 30 plus. I don't know that a team offensively in the country is going to get more than thirty points on this defense. Um, so I'm, I think that today is also probably it's a little bit wet here in Indy. I'm assuming it's going to be wet up in West Lafayette from what I've seen from the from the weather forecast. I think it'll be because of that. I think Purdue's going to try to, like, milk the clock down using the new clock rules as much as possible. I'm I'm thinking a a score more along the lines of, like, a 27 to 10, maybe even Mm -hmm. 27 to 6 or 27 to 9. Um, I don't know that Purdue has the offensive ability to get on in the end zone against this Ohio State defense. The the, the secondary is rock solid, led by Denzel Burke. Um, and Davis and Igbenosin, the, the two corners on the outside. Lathan Ransom's playing one of the best safeties in the entire country. Not the best, but he's in the top um, probably three or four safeties in the country. Josh Proctor, senior, super senior uh, safety, is playing really, really, really well, too. So I just don't see Purdue being able to uh, do much offensively. Um, they, just, they just don't have the firepower today. Well, we've got a lot of games to get through, and uh, let's start here up in uh, uh, Lafayette. I mean, Lafayette. Up in South Bend, I'm sorry. Notre Dame hosting their, one of their big rivalries, uh, and that is the USC Trojans, who are undefeated at 6-0. and 
Uh, Notre Dame's coming in at 5-2. and two. They are at home. There is that history between the two of them. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get Rick on today to talk about this game, uh, but this is certainly a big game that Notre Dame circles every year on their calendar, USC at Notre Dame today uh, at 7.30 tonight. What are your thoughts? So this is a really interesting game. Um, Sam Hartman played like absolute dog crap last week, but throughout the season has looked really good. Even against Ohio State in that loss, um, he, he played well, made throws. They just didn't have the wide receivers to be able to get off of Denzel Burke. Who might, Denzel Burke right now is either the first or second best corner in the country. Um, he's just – the teams aren't even trying to throw at him. But Sam Hartman's played really well. Now, this is almost like that tale of two kind of teams. USC has Caleb Williams and their incredibly high-scoring offense. They also have a defense that I don't know could stop a Pop Warner team. They can't stop anybody. Um, their defense is an absolute joke. Um, Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, has been there now. Uh, this is his, you know, He's been there as long as, as um, Lincoln Riley, and he followed Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, which is weird because he sucked at Oklahoma and he sucks now. Um, he's just awful uh, as a defensive coordinator. So the opportunity is there for Notre Dame. Now, this is where it gets interesting, Tom. Yes, Notre Dame has two losses. But I think you're going to see – I don't know that we're going to see very many teams run the table. Georgia might just because the SEC is down. I don't care what Kirby Smart and other SEC talking heads try to convince you otherwise. The SEC is not very good this year. Alabama's not as good. Um, LSU is crap. Um, Tennessee is not as strong as they were last year, which I kind of expected. Florida sucks. Uh, at least literally just kind of Georgia. Um, so they're, they're solid. Um, but the, the, the big, the Pac-12 is going to beat themselves up. The Big Ten is going to be interesting because you have Ohio State, Penn State, and that team up north that are all really good. Um, and I could see a scenario where they all finish with one loss. Um, and then you also have, you know, kind of the, the Big 12. Um, Oklahoma, I don't see them finishing undefeated after beating Texas. Um, does Texas pick up another loss and then maybe beat Oklahoma at the end of the season? The thing for Notre Dame is if Notre Dame can win today against USC, the playoff opportunity is wide open for them again. Because I don't know that anybody else from any other conferences is going to finish well enough ahead. I think you're going to have a Georgia, um, the Big Ten winner, potentially Florida State, and then after that, it gets murky. You could see a two-loss Notre Dame, maybe a non-conference winner Big Ten champ. Um, again, that's assuming the Pac-12, there's not a, there's not a one-loss Pac-12 winner, which we'll see. It's just Notre Dame has kind of still has a lot of their goals in front of them if they can hit them, and this is a huge – huge game um, for their coaching staff. They need to win this game, especially coming off of that loss to Louisville. Let's uh, move on down the road here. I've been talking about the team from up north. They host the Indiana Hoosiers. I'm excited about it. I know they're going to get their asses curved stopped by halftime. I know they're going to lose. But, hey, 
it's IU. They're on national television. They're on Fox TV. They don't get that a lot. They're playing in the big house. They're playing in the rain. You don't get better football circumstances than this. And IU, dang it, uh, Adam, IU is going to give Michigan their first loss today. How about that? How about that for a hot take? Tom, <laughs> if that happens, I will Venmo you money to go buy yourself a beer to give to toast yourself, buddy. Um, hey, you know uh, I'm not kidding. I will, I will Venmo you. Tell me what you want, and I will Venmo you that amount because I will be on cloud nine right there with you. Honestly, yeah, the thing that I'm like, I'm, I'm hoping for, I'm and I'm like, man, it's wet. I want to see somebody accidentally just truck Jim Harbaugh. Like, I'd be good with that. Like, uh, ignite it like a fight on the sideline. You know, uh, IU has, has a new offensive coordinator, so there's that. We were coming back from Evansville for my mom's funeral, and uh, we stopped at Bloomington. Loved going to campus. And uh, so I, I think I sent you the picture, but right outside uh, the Rock Memorial, the Rock Memorial Stadium, we'll be there against Rutgers at homecoming. And then, uh, you know, we, we went over to Assembly Hall. Uh, it was actually locked. The construction guy, oh, I'll just let you in. So we're walking around an empty, an empty <laughs> Assembly Hall. It was actually kind of cool. And uh, he goes, oh, I'll let you in. And we're like, I don't know if he's supposed to do that. And I'm, we'll, we let, he, he let us in. And I swear to God, we were the only one in the building walking around uh, Assembly Hall. So that was kind of cool. And then we went to uh, Mother Bear's Pizza, which if you're just not an IU guy, you know, a person, you don't understand that. But we went there. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm excited for this game. Give me the X's and O's of this game. We're going to go to uh, games against the spread. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, the the thing about this game is is I use this out talented. If we're gonna be honest, I, I still don't think what and I'll say their name for less words. I don't. I I'm still nobody is impressed by what Michigan does on offense. It's not like they run some revolutionary offense. They run the same offense that like freaking the Chicago Bears ran in 1985. Like they don't do anything new anything that's like wow they just do it well and they control both lines of scrimmage now we say that but but michigan hasn't played anybody with a pulse all season still and they and this is the thing that's that's interesting tom is they won't until their last three games of the season when their last three games of the season they have penn state maryland and then us and it's a – that's going to be the question is, are they going to be feeling themselves all the way to November when they haven't really been challenged and thinking that they haven't been challenged because they're that good? Or is there going to be reality of, hey, we have just played teams that we have are, – are, are vastly superior to? Um, who knows? You know, that's going to be the question – I think that, that, that the pundits and, and everybody around the country needs to ask themselves. Um, I expect J.J. McCarthy to have a good game. Now, I will say this. If the IU defense can keep it in front of them and keep it low scoring like they did week one against Ohio State, to that point, Michigan hasn't even had a challenge yet. Um, I mean, they've had, a, they've had different teams hang with them for a half. But nobody that's gonna even gone into the fourth quarter with it being close. And we don't know how they will respond 
with this set of players. Um, I, I would hope that IU runs the same strategy that they ran against Ohio State, where they are using every second of the play clock, use the new rules to your advantage, limit possessions. And, you know, if they can get a couple, ups, or a couple turnovers, especially when J.J. McCarthy is, is kind of well-known. He does not have the largest hands. So playing in the rain, playing in a wet surface, if IU can maybe get a couple turnovers, this could be a tighter game into the fourth quarter than a lot of people are predicting. I've seen scores as much as, like, 44-47. Uh, I thought 47. I was like, who the heck is doing that math? Um, but uh, 48 to, like, three. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think it's going to be more of a low-scoring game. Um, and if IU can keep it low-scoring and tight into the fourth quarter, you never really know what could happen with any of these scenarios. So, I mean, I, do I think an upset's on the table? I don't know that an upset's on the table, but do I think it will be closer than what pundits are saying right now? I do. And, you know, that, and that is a perfect segue to uh, against the spread. Who will win the matchups against the spread? We'll start with IU with 34 and a half. And I actually pick, and, and I might need to, I won't change it, because once I make my pick, gosh darn it, it, it stays where it's at. But I have IU uh, who will win against the spread. So, uh, basically, Indiana ha- must either win, tie, or lose by no more than 34 uh, points. And I think that's very well possible for IU. Do you agree or disagree that IU against the spread uh, will win this matchup at 34 and a half? I, I, I agree with that. I, I think this is a very favorable matchup. Again, when you consider the conditions that they're going to be playing in, plus IU all season has been kind of running down the clock milking the clock as best they can. So 34 and a half, I would take that all day long. Let's talk about Georgia and Vander- <laughs> Vanderbilt. I got uh, Georgia uh, winning against uh, the matchup here uh, against the spread at 31 and a half. Georgia, Vanderbilt, uh, of course, Vanderbilt's two, two and five. They are hosting Georgia at home. But in, I think in this case, it's Georgia. So it's 31 and a half. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter because Vanderbilt sucks. Um, they are – they – oh, gosh. I don't know who is the worst major power conference team, if it's Rutgers or Vanderbilt, because both have a really good argument. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking Georgia to cover that spread. You know, and here's, here's – uh, I'm going to kind of go against the grain of what a lot of people are saying on this game. We've got Arkansas Razorbacks and – uh, at uh, on the road against number 11 uh, Roll Tide Alabama, um, most people think that Alabama will win against the spread here, especially because they're at home. I like Arkansas Razorbacks to win against the spread on this at 19 and a half, even though they are two and four and on the road. What are your thoughts? Um, man, Alabama's tough because Jalen Milrow throws a good deep ball, and that's about it. Um. <laughs> it's 19. 19 I think and Alabama's defense is. I think Alabama's defense will turn Arkansas over enough to cover, but like it's going to be tight. I think they. I mean, I can see them covering literally with that half point and winning by 20. Because no, Alabama Shane. at this point is also going to try to do like if it's close, they're going to try to keep their starters in and keep. Getting those uh, brownie points because Nick Saban 
never thinks he's out of the uh, playoff hunt, even though they are totally out of the playoff race. Next game in my lineup here is the California Golden Bears, or Cal Bears, are on the road against number 16, Utah Utes. What's a Utes? I got yeah, Utah uh, winning against the spread here, 13 and a half as well here. Uh, I think a lot of people think that this game will be a pretty close game, but I still think that uh, Utah covers the 13 and a half at home. Utah. Yeah, I think I think Utah is starting to um... – Utah is starting to kind of get their groove back a little bit. Uh, and I think between – like, Utah is going to take down either USC or Oregon or Washington, like, if not two of them. Uh, just the, the Utah always gets, gets up for these big-time conference games. Um, and I, I think Utah, Utah has, has quite a bit more really good football left in it. So, yeah, I, I think Utah is going to cover Oregon's on the road. They're five and all. Uh, they're number eight uh, coming against Washington, by the way, who is also five and zero at home, uh, and uh, they're ranked number seven. So this is going to be a good matchup all the way around. This is a hard one to to pick, but I went ahead and picked with uh, Oregon to cover against the spread. They need to to handle their business there in 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 Washington against the Washington Huskies. Uh, the Ducks and the uh, and the Huskies. What are your thoughts? Three and a half. You're taking. You're taking. You're not taking Michael Penix. Come on, Tom. <laughs> Where's your IU guy? I, I, I know. I know. Michael Penix for Heisman. That's right there. Michael Penix for Heisman, Tom. No, I'm taking Washington <laughs> because Michael Penix is the best quarterback in that matchup. Don't get me wrong. Bonix is playing well. Um, I swear, I feel like Bo Nix has been in college since I was like eight. Um, but I, I think Washington, frankly, is the better team. Uh, Oregon is right now a more known commodity. Um, we've also seen Washington kind of wet the bed uh, occasionally in some of these big matchups. But I think Michael Penix, Michael Penix right now looks like the best quarterback in America, and I am saying that full well knowing what Caleb Williams is doing because Caleb Williams is doing it and needing to do it against some bad teams. Like he had to put up big numbers just for them to like beat, I think San Diego state or something like that. Like I like the way that Penix is playing. Um, I think Washington's going to win. You know, and another, I'm not calling for an upset here by any stretch of the imagination. Again, in, in, in this, against the spread, who will win the matchup against the spread? That's all it is. They don't necessarily have to win the game. So I've got UMass on the road against uh, Penn State. Obviously, Penn State's 5-0, and number six. Uh, uh, UMass, or, yeah, UMass has only won one game, uh, the Minutemen. Uh, <laughs> I could go so in so many directions about it, although I understand the historical significance of that. I could go so many directions with that. They're 1-6, but they're on the road. I think they can, they can keep it – the spread's 43 and a half. I, I, I think that it's not going to be that big of a blowout. So I'm going to win against the match with UMass on the road against Penn State. What are your thoughts? I think you're on to something here, Tom, but for a different reason. Penn State has its matchup next week against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I think Penn State can be caught looking ahead for a quarter, quarter and a half, which will just not give them enough time to – put up the, the requisite points to beat UMass. Also, 
Penn State was tied at halftime against Northwestern last week. Like, Penn State has had a couple games where they've gotten off to a slow start. Um, and then they turn it on kind of in the second half. But in doing so, they're not covering many of these big spreads. Uh, could I see it happen? Yes. Would I bet it? Maybe not, unless it's like a low, a real low risk. Um, but could UMass cover the spread? Again, with the weather that's kind of going around nationally, it's pretty pretty rainy across the entire Midwest. It, it would not shock me. Um, if you want gun to my head, you know what? I'll say I'll say I'll take UMass in the in the in the point spread. Let's go on to the next one. Who will win against the spread? Uh, we've got number fourteen Louisville Cardinals on the road against Pitt. Uh, Pitt is one and four. Louisville Cardinals is undefeated. They are a dang good team, and uh, there's no reason why they can't win this spread. Uh, this matchup against the spread at eight and a half. Um. Yeah, I got I got Louisville covering. So let's look at the Wyoming Cowboys against the Air Force Falcons. Uh, obviously, Air Force is having a great year this year. Uh, he, and uh, our friend Rick Riggin is a big Air Force guy. He was in the Air Force. Uh, too bad his Braves uh, crashed and burned against the Phillies, but that's a conversation for another time. Nine and a half is the spread. Uh, Wyoming is on the road. They've only lost one. They're five and one. Why the heck not? Let's let Wyoming uh, uh, win against the spread on this one at nine and a half. What are your thoughts? Sure. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's uh, you, I know it. you love you some Wyoming and like Nevada. I'll, I'll let you. Uh, I do. I'll don't let I? you have to win on this I'm one. weird like that. I do. I, I, I think that I do like Wyoming. I always have. All right, let's talk about the Arizona Wildcats and the number 19, the other Washington uh, uh Team, the Washington State Cougars, uh, they are four and one, and they're at home against Arizona, which is three and three. Uh, the spread is eight and a half. I think Washington State can definitely cover this uh, against the spread at home. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Arizona at Washington State at eight and a half? Yeah, I, I would take I would take Washington State. They had a, they, they picked up a loss last week, and I think they have a bounce back game this week to try to stay in the Pac-12 race. And I just don't last think Arizona's very good. Last game before we get to jump into some NASCAR talk. Auburn Tigers are on the road against the other Tigers, and that's kind of funny that LSU plays two Tigers in a row. Uh, they played Missouri Tigers last week. This week they play the Auburn Tigers, and they are the Tigers. So why not pick the Tigers to win against the spread? I'm only going to go with LSU because they're at home, and hey, they're LSU. They're four and two. The, uh, Auburn's did nothing to excite me this year. What are your thoughts against the spread? Who win, Who will win the matchup against the spread, sir? Remind, Tom, what was that number one more time? Eleven nine and a half. Eleven and a half. And a half. One one. Ooh, I'm taking. I'm taking. I'm taking Auburn. I did okay. not take LSU. LSU's terrible. I'm taking Auburn. Maybe to win outright, but I'm taking I'm taking Auburn the points. So for two weeks in a row, a tiger will eat a tiger. See what I did there? That's right. See what I did there? Tiger cannibalism. Tiger cannibalism. All right, Adam Jividen. I usually say, where can people find your work and masterpieces? But we know you you hide from the social media world, uh, and uh, you, you're kind of 
a, a lone wolf out there, but we know where to find you at, sir. I know where I can't find you at, and I don't have time to call you out because i got to get into NASCAR, but I'm going <laughs> to give you a hint. The, de- the bear is not in the den, sir. The bear is not in the den. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I need to – I need every time I think about it, then I get distracted with something else, and then I forget. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll see you. Have yourself a good weekend. Nice time. You too. Adam Jebedin, our college football co-pilot, and helping us break down week seven. We're halfway through the college football uh, season. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. We got some NASCAR to talk about, y'all. Oh, 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 oh. I'll get him high, show him what I got. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Give me fire, give me that which I desire. Ooh. 
right, welcome back to The Balance. My name's Tom Marquez. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning high atop The Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. Thank you, Adam Jemidin, for helping us break down college football week seven. NASCAR rolls into Las Vegas. And uh, you know what happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. But, hey, we're going to talk about it now. Joining us now, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. Steve, how are you, sir? Doing all right. How about yourself? Good. Did you make the trip out west? Probably not since you're calling. No. It would be like six in the morning there. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, and and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh I wouldn't be uh calling in at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you like us, but not that much. I, 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 I get it. You were you were just out that way anyway, not too long ago, weren't you? Yeah, went out there this summer. Spent about three weeks out there, up and down, um, throughout the um, mid, uh, throughout the West, uh, you know, all the way up to almost the Canadian border and, you know, all, all, all throughout that area. Love it. Well, yesterday Kyle Larson was here in town doing his rookie testing, uh, for IndyCar. As we know, he's going to be racing at the Indianapolis 500, uh, next year in 2024. I did not get a chance to go out there and watch that, uh, as I was going through a, a bourbon tour, dude. And I'm going to tell you what, it's pretty awesome. But uh, but uh, nonetheless, I didn't get a chance to see all the results of his rookie testing. I'm sure it was, it was good. I, I saw some of the highlights. So what do you thought? Kyle Larson out here at Indy doing his testing as a rookie for IndyCar. Yeah, um, you know, it's been, what, uh, over, over a decade since anybody has even attempted to do what he's going to do next year for Indy and uh, the Cook 600. So, you know him uh, going out there. He, uh, you know, I, I think it's good for the sport for everybody to be able to see, you know, some of these crossover drivers and really, you know, Kyle Larson isn't that much of a crossover driver when it comes to this because of just his open wheel experience in general. Yeah, but in some sprint cars and things like that. But you know, for him to get into you know, one of these open wheel Indy cars, I mean, it's really not out of his wheelhouse um, in, in the way that some others have a, uh, attempted to do it. And, you know, I know Tony Stewart and Robbie Gordon have done this in the past, and both of them come from the Indy car world. And, you know, but, you know, for him, I mean, it's just, you know, we're just adding on to the, the, the list of people that coming from different aspects of the racing community and trying to do this and, you know, if Carl Larson is anything like we see him in other, um, you know, in other in 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 these other uh, open wheel events, then yeah, I I I expect that he will go out there and he will have a good day next year in the Indy 500. Well, before we get into the round of eight, uh, Sheldon Creed is uh, leaving uh, Richard Childers Racing. Uh, and uh, certainly he he's also a contender in the in the round of eight. Uh, but we know that he won't be returning to Richard Childers uh, uh, Racing Chevrolet in 2024. Uh, he certainly, he announced his departure from the team on Wednesday after clinching his spot uh, in the round of, in the postseason. Uh, his plans for the new year remain undisclosed, but ultimately felt uh, ready for a new environment after two years of driving the number two car. What's the backstory here uh, with with uh, Sheldon Creed and? Um, him leaving Richard Childress is there is there a was that more hey we want you to leave or was it a more hey I want to leave 
because it doesn't appear that he has another car to go to. If there is, I don't, I haven't seen the announcement. So maybe you can give us the backstory here. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, there's been a lot of flopping around in the Xfinity series. You know, this late in the year, and we're seeing even more of that. And that kind of came as, uh, you know, it was a lot of expectations that you know Charlotte Creed would continue on with them, but. I think some of this may, and and this is just my general feeling, is that some of this may have to do with uh, the number 77 over at Spire Motorsports, in which uh, Austin Dillon, I mean, sorry, it, <laughs> Austin Dillon, his, uh, his brother, um, <laughs> yeah, no, his brother Ty Dillon, who has raced his car for two years for them, um, was replaced by um, uh, Carson Josefar, who will take over that number 77 next year. So, it's it, uh, you know my my general feeling is and my general sense and why they haven't really announced anybody for for the number two yet. Uh, I kind of have the sense that maybe that car was opened up a little bit for Ty to be able to come back over there and race in the Xfinity Series next year. Now that he's out of that ride and the the, the number 77 for Spire Motorsports, but that's just kind of my general feeling. That you know, this was just an opportunity in which they were able to get him back in, in a car over there. And you know, Rich Trills Racing doesn't seem to be, it didn't seem like you know, they're ready to expand back anymore. Uh, they already have a lot of, they already have a lot to do with college racing to begin with. So, you know, they're they're kind of limited, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it, it, you know, limited in, in their resources of you know sharing you know space in the shop and you know manpower um, with Call Lake Racing and you know their their Xfinity and Cup Series cars. So you know uh, that's just kind of my general feeling is that you know I just really wouldn't be I really wouldn't be surprised if Ty Dillon wasn't named um, the driver of the number two for next year. But then again, that could surprise me. You know, there is. Wheeling is going to come back next year, so they are fully funded by Wheeling next year in that two car. So it could really be anybody, but really, just in honesty, it wouldn't surprise me if Ty wasn't named the driver. You know, we're going to go back a couple of weeks because we have a talk for a couple of weeks. We were off uh, last week, obviously, for my mother's funeral. And so the, going back a couple of weeks to the truck series, and we talk about Crafton and Sanchez and that fight uh, after the, the fact. And uh, what I heard, and I, and I tried to get some more information on it, but I had a lot going on in that week. So I just kind of want to back to that. Uh, what I heard was Matt Crafton sucker punch Sanchez, um, almost knocking him out, if not knocking him out, breaking his nose. Uh, what? What? First of all, what led up to that, and then what are the repercussions of that? I heard that he got he got uh, Crafton got fined. Uh, and I believe Sanchez did also. Nobody got suspended, so they'll be able to go on to Homestead. Uh, any legal things like assault charges or anything? Let's, let's, can we just clear up the story here uh, for our listeners of, as far as what happened there? So what really led up to this is that prior to this in the race, there was there was a couple of them had stacked up in the race, including uh, Crafton and, and uh, Sanchez, and uh, that's that Crafton out there spinning that. Sanchez got involved into it also, and the two of them or the two of them disagreed on whose fault that it was um, for that. So, two different stories from two different sides. One side tells you that you know from Sanchez's side, they said that you know Matt Crafton walked up, tapped him on the shoulder, and 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 knocked his lights out. Whereas you know Matt Crafton 
uh, his side, you know, says that you know the the media the the media that had been standing around did not capture the the full extent of the conversation before uh, that that even took place. So you know he he says you know there was a there was a larger discussion that took place prior to that. There was an argument that took place prior to that. And that, you know, it was Sanchez that, that came to him or, you know, started, you know, the argument per se. And then, you know, that led up to Matt Crafton hitting him in the nose and, you know, Sanchez saying, you know, well, I can't say it on the radio, but, you yeah. know, we all know what he said. So, um, right, exactly. you know, so, you know, ne- so neither side, you know, was necessarily innocent in this. And, you know, NASCAR did did take that into account where, you know, while one person said that, you know, they, they, you know, did go follow through, they, they did hit him or, you know, Mike Crofton did hit him in the nose and bloodied him up a little bit. But the other side was also at fault too, by saying what they said they were going to do when they got to Homestead next week. So, you know, there, there's, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of anticipation and build up to that. And I think, you know, they, NASCAR did take that into account and, you know, find them both appropriately for this and neither one of them are suspended and, you know, they will go on to, to Homestead at this moment. But, you know, again, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of this going around in, in, in NASCAR where, you know, they, they are looking at these situations at the same time, but they've also been, you know, they've also been able to, uh, you know, uh, and not suspend people because it's not happened necessarily on the racetrack. And I know a lot of people said, you know, well, you know, you know, what happened, you know, with the Bob Wallace and Kyle Larson or what happened, you know, name, name anybody else that has been suspended in this sport. Why, why, why is this a little bit differently? And the, the answer to that is, is that, this happened 100% in the garage. There was no on-track incident. There was no retaliation on right. track that led to this. This was all happening in the garage, and NASCAR was, was mindful of that and that nobody picked up a weapon, nobody used their vehicle, nobody retaliated on track, and, and that's how the appropriate penalties come down is because there was no on-track component to this. We'll be watching this when it gets to Homestead. All eyes will be on them for sure. Uh, so uh, more to be told of this story, but I got a feeling there's going to be some uh, conflict resolution on the track at Homestead. Would you agree? <laughs> um, maybe possibly because, you know, they, <laughs> they, these both of them have probably – excuse me, both of them have probably been warned that if they – go through or do something on track, then, you know, then the penalties are going to start picking up. So, um, you know, NASCAR will be watching that. Yeah, hopefully they keep their wits about them because it is the playoffs, and uh, we'll see what happens. Josh Berry, though, will lead the Xfinity Series to the the green flag today in the Osco Uniforms 302 out in Vegas. Uh, The JR Motorsports driver – uh, uh, in his number eight Chevrolet to top the timesheet in Las Vegas, uh, the fastest lap uh, around 181.996 during Friday night's uh, uh, qualifying session. Uh, and then uh, Cole Custer uh, with Stuart Haas uh, uh, coming in second, and then Sammy Smith coming in third. Josh Berry, uh, gotta like him. I, I enjoy watching him race. He's a very, very talented driver. So let's start with him as we talk about. Uh, today's race uh, out in Las Vegas. Josh Berry is on the pole, sir. 
Raspberry won this race last year. So if taking that into account, uh, you know, he's already a leg up on some of the others. So um, now, now, you know, there was a Chevrolet teammate earlier this spring in Austin Hill that was able to go to victory lane. Um, but, you know, you know, Josh Berry is in his last couple of races here with uh, Junior Motorsports. They're going to, he's going to be obviously taking over uh, for Kevin Harvick next year. But, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of talent up there. And, you know, somebody that we don't, you know, we've talked about a little bit in the past, but, you know, uh, you know, their performance is starting to improve and we're starting to see more out of him as Parker Redslaff. He's starting fifth out there later on today. And, so he he came into this sport with a with a, you know a lot of uh, whirlwind behind him you know driving for teams that are not necessarily you know uh, at the top of the mound per se when it comes to funding and cars and technology and resources but you know he, even he's been able to take that take those uh, experiences and been able to take that and you know really start to putting together some better um, you know results and. You know, we're kind of seeing that out of him. But, you know, Cole Custer also, uh, you know, he's he, he, he seems to have found his way down. He's come back to the Xfinity Series, and we see him up there in the top five, top ten, week in and week out. And this seems to be where he really shines in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I know he struggled a lot when it, with his series, and, you know, even his replacement, Ryan Priest, struggles, for, uh, you know, even though he's not really a rookie per se, you know, he's he's been in the series prior years ago. But, you know, uh, you know, Custer has, has also been able to really put together a lot of good, a lot of good runs this year. And it seems to be really benefiting him and working out for him. And he's going to start right alongside Josh Berry. So, the two of them, either one of them, could, you know, come out with a win later today. John Hunter Nemchek, uh, obviously uh, first in points, and uh, this is kind of his championship to win. I like John Hunter Nemchek, certainly rooting for him on the way, but he starts at 38 uh, today, uh, or I believe it's 38. I could have the number wrong, but he does certainly not start in the front of the pack. Uh, he's a very good driver. Uh, does he necessarily have to worry about does he really have to worry about anything other than getting his stage wins and, and making his marks uh, in his position in, in the playoffs? Well, right now he does. Um, with with three races to go within the next three rounds, you know, they just reset after uh, Charlotte last week. So uh, those points are kind of bundled back up just a little bit. I think there's only about – John Hunter Nemechek in that eighth place, uh, that eighth place. So you know there there is going to be a little bit at least this week to be able to try and get up there and get some points and you know maybe come out with that win and or even next week at at, at uh, Homestead Miami. So I think he really needs to be able to be up on the wheel this weekend so that he doesn't miss out. Um, you know somebody else could really sneak in there and do something definitely to. Uh, you know, spoil that for him. But, you know, again, there's, you know, he, he's got, he's got what, six or seven wins, something like that this year already. So there's also some helpful points in there, um, some extra playoff points in those wins that, that could help carry him over. He may not come out of this if he doesn't win today or 
next week and, you know, he has a little bit poor performance like, uh, you know, with his starting position today, starting last in the field, um, you know, he still does have some help that, that could help him propel him um, at least going forward. And, you know, while, you know, a lot of that uh, doesn't matter once you get to finish because it's all out whoever finishes first, but, you know, to get to this stage, those points may help him move on to Phoenix. Well, we got the uh, we got four drivers on the bubble. We'll get into the uh, race tomorrow. Let's talk about these four drivers: Cole Custer, Chandler Smith. We spoke a little bit about Chandler Creed a few minutes ago, and Sammy Smith. Those are your guys on the bubble in the round of eight as we go into Vegas today. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your takeaways from these four drivers? Yeah, you know, you've got two drivers in there, Chandler Smith. So, you know, he he's already going to potentially be moving on in the Xfinity series because. There's a lot of controversy surrounding, you know, last weekend uh, after Adrian Allmendinger won in Charlotte that a lot of questions were asked about what happens to Chandler Smith going forward. And it seemed like they really downplayed his coming back to college racing next year. So whatever happens to him, you know, from that Xfinity series side is not fully doesn't seem like it's fully uh, there uh, for him to come back next year. And then you also have, <clears throat> excuse me, and you also have Sheldon Creed. He's he's out of a ride. And and then you have um, it's Sammy Smith, who is uh, going to leave Joe Gibbs Racing and go to Junior Motorsports next year. So you got three drivers next year. Either their their status is unknown, they're not coming back, or they're moving to a new team next year. So you know they all uh, you know could benefit from being able to win in the next three and be able to move on to Phoenix. Whether it's you know looking for that you know, propel them to the new team next year in Sammy Smith's case, or maybe to add to the resume in Sheldon Creed or Chandler Smith, who is either not coming back to their current team or their status is kind of unknown at this point, you know, as they court new new teams or, or new potential partners to, to take them into 2024. So <clears throat> those three really have a lot at this point to either lose or gain just by being able, just by their performance over the next couple of weeks. Let's move over to the cup series on Sunday. Uh, you know, William Byron safe for now. Uh, Barton Truex Jr. Uh, he's in uh, Denny Hamlin. I like Denny Hamlin. Uh, he's locked into the round of eight. Is this his year? Is this his year? I mean, I like him a lot. What, do what what do we think about old Denny Hamlin in the number eleven Joe Gibbs racing car uh, uh, this year? Look, Denny Hamlin has been here before, and he's been here several times before, and it always seems to be he's able to get to this point or get to Phoenix, and then it all falls apart. You know, I equate him in a lot of ways of Mark Martin, who was just never able to capitalize, or you know, late in the season. You know, right when it counted, something happened to to kick him out of that championship kind of run. And, and Denny Hamlin has had this happen to him time and time and time again, where he's been riding high, where he's got race wins throughout the season, where he's been able to move on to the playoffs. But then here we are in the round of eight or even going in, and let's just make the assumption that he moves on to Phoenix in three weeks. Something happens, but either whether it's mechanical, whether it's a mistake on him, whether it's a mistake on the team on pit road, but something falls apart every time. And it seems like it just, 
this is where they fall apart. And whether they've been able to overcome that, I think is remains to be seen at this point because we're at that point right on that cusp of does something happen to Denny Hamlin? Does he or the team make a mistake? Does something happen in a race that's out of this thing? So, you know, over the next three weeks, I think we'll have a more clearer picture on that or maybe even makes it there to Phoenix and, and something happens there. But they really have to be able to overcome some of those mistakes of the past that, that is going to get him and propel him to a championship because he doesn't have that many years left. You know, uh, we were talking about Kyle Larson earlier. I mean, he's he's had a busy week. I mean, he competed in Tuesday night's uh, high, uh, high-limit sprint car series here at the, uh, at the Indiana uh, Lincoln Park Speedway. Then he went over to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, as we talked about, for his testing. And now he's got to go do his real job uh, for Hendricks Motorsports, where, he, where he'll really had a mediocre uh, uh, round of 12. Let's hope a lot of this other stuff at distractions is not going to hurt him. But Kyle Larson is, is in for now uh, in the round of eight. But uh, what, what do we look for for Kyle in, in Vegas tomorrow? Do we look for him to have a uh, – because he's had such a busy week. I mean, he's only human. Uh, but uh, what do you think that, that this week will have an effect on his, his, his performance tomorrow in Vegas? And if so, will that push him down and maybe even put him on the bubble? No, not Carl Larson. I mean, you know, how many times have we seen him in these sprint cars go from, you know, when <laughs> when he was suspended in NASCAR that, you know, he was racing four and five times a week and he's winning three and four out of those four to five times a week. Um, no, I, I, I don't think, honestly, that changes anything that he's doing. I think that's just something that Carl Larson does. And, you know, he's become so accustomed <laughs> to it that it, 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 it really doesn't change him much. So, uh, I, I don't see anything that he's doing right now that isn't abnormal from what he's done in the past or, you know, may may do anything to, to jeopardize his championship hope, hopes at this moment. You know, I got a friend that works for Fox News, and when he first started out, I, I got a chance to meet him. It was, it was actually his rookie year. I got a chance to meet him here in Indianapolis. And he told me, he's like, you know, this kid's going somewhere. You just wait and see. And, well, he's right. Turns out maybe he is a human, maybe he's Superman, because I haven't been seen in the same place at the same time. But, yeah, I, I'm curious and excited to watch Kyle Larson. Chris Buescher, though, on the other hand, he's on the outside uh, looking in and arguably the surprise of this season's Cup Series playoffs. has been Chris, uh, Chris Buescher, sorry. Three victories and five weeks prior to the playoffs have helped uh, propel the number 17 RFK Racing team's uh, efforts to this point. Outside looking in, Chris Buescher, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think really that's been the turnaround story of the year is really RFK Racing as a whole is that Chris Buescher has won, what, three times this year already for them. And, you know, this this is is something that, that RFK Racing hasn't done in years. And while Ross, I'm sorry, um, Ross Chastain, good one. Uh, Brad Keselowski <laughs> didn't didn't come through with a win this year, and Jeff missed out by just a couple of points on making it into this round of eight. I mean, they really, as a team, kind of seem to be on the path of 
returning Roush Racing back to the days of where they were somebody we talked about week in and week out. And, and Chris Buescher, um, you know, the three wins already this year, no matter what happens in the next three races or so, um, you know, really, I think, you know, that that's really just a turnaround year that they can really take this and, and go on to next year and be, um, you know, be really, you know, better and get better at what they're doing. And I, and I just see them continuing to make their strides forward uh, with Brad Kozlowski now part of the ownership is that he seemed to have been turning this team around and doing the things to really kind of get them back to where the pinnacle that they were. And, and I really see that as, you know, something that, you know, Chris Buescher is, has been a part of that. And he, they could have very well gotten rid of him and moved on with somebody else. But, you know, Brad Kozlowski was, uh, kept him on and, and supported him. And, you know, it, it seems to be paying those dividends now in the fact that he has won three times this year for them. So, no, again, no matter whatever happens in the next couple of weeks, RFK between, you know, just missing out on the round of eight and then Chris Buescher being in the round of eight and winning three times is already a win in their season. Well, real quickly here before we let you go, who's your $5 DraftKings pick of the week for NASCAR Xfinity? Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm 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 gonna go with Justin Allgaier to win later on today, and then tomorrow I'm gonna go with William Byron. William Byron tomorrow and Justin Allgaier today. We've got you, sir. Where can people find your uh, your working masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, joins us jumping on and talking some NASCAR with us. This is the round of eight. They're out in Vegas. Stick around. We're going to be talking some NFL with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, NSI.com. Double wide, quick stop, midnight, deep top, Jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and Daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yalla dog stool bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, save me, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map, dot New York to LA. We were teenage dreams. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
the Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. the balance high atop the balance studios in the west suburbs of indianapolis thank you adam jividan who helping us break down college football weekend iu at michigan yes i know it's going to be a shellacking but hey it's going to be fun to watch during the rain they get much better than that national television uh gets michigan undefeated i call for the upset uh, wishful, wishful thinking, wishful thinking. But hey, it's gonna be fun to watch them on national television. Don't a lot of times get that chance. Thank you, Adam, for breaking that down for us. And then Steve Wilson uh, in our last segment, uh, uh, breaking down NASCAR. They're out of Vegas, baby. Round of eight. We are getting close to a championship uh, driver in the NASCAR series. And Kyle Larson was here in Indianapolis doing his rookie testing, as he'll be doing the double next year with the Coca-Cola 600 and the Indianapolis 500. So I did not get a chance to go check that out as I was going through a bourbon tour, and it was fantastic, I must say. But joining me now, who's much better than bourbon at, at, you know, on Saturday morning, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Ed Kratz, how are you, sir? Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Good. I didn't even put any of this bourbon that I got yesterday in my coffee this morning. Not yet, huh? Well, it's only, it's only your first cup. I mean, <laughs> I haven't even opened it up, but it, it, it has added to my collection. 
And uh, I don't know if you've heard of, of Hard Truth, but they, they own a lot of different brands. They, their headquarters is here in Indianapolis. I mean, not Indianapolis, but south, the Brown County area, beautiful area. Um, so we went through their, their tour, and we went to it, and we, and we each got a, a, a bottle of a bourbon of our choice. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Well, you I'm might saying. need it after you uh, watch the uh, Michigan-Indiana game. Uh. <laughs> no, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I told you this story. So I, um, IU basketball, of course, we're, we're known for basketball sometimes, uh, but they play in Assembly Hall <laughs> down in Bloomington, which is right across from the football stadium. When we were coming back from uh, Evansville from my mom's funeral, uh, we said, let's just stop it at IU campus. We've got some time to kill so we did. We stopped at IU campus, and, and I'm like, hey, there's Rock Memorial Stadium and whatever. And right across the street is uh, Assembly Hall. Of course, it's it's not basketball season, so nothing's going on there. So Rick, you know Rick, he goes, hey, man, you know, sometimes you can go in there and walk around and look at some of the stuff. So you know, we'll try it. So I went up there, and every door is locked, and there's a construction guy there doing some work. He goes, hey, I'll let you in. Like, okay. And he bobbed his head. He keyed his head. We just walked in. We're the only ones in Assembly Hall walking around, looking at all these statues, looking at the, uh, all of these. Uh, they've got these touch screens where you touch, and it, and it walks through different series and history of, of IU basketball. We're there just punching, looking at all of this stuff. Nobody said anything to us at all. We thought, well, we better, we better go ahead and get on out of here before somebody catches up to us. So, that something doesn't look right. Those guys aren't supposed to be in there. And uh, so that, that that was hilarious. That construction guy goes, oh, I'll let you in. <laughs> Your own guy to tour. Perfect. That's right. And uh, then we, we uh, drove around campus, and I realized how old I am. When school when school's in session and I, at IU and the campus is full of, obviously, kids going to school back and forth to classes and stuff. And, and uh, I'm like, yeah, I went to school here, but it was a lot different. It was a lot different. Yeah. And, and, you know, the walking that all these kids do, I'm like, well, they're all on scooters and stuff now. I was like, we never had stuff like that when I was in college. And then one of the best places, <laughs> one of the best places to eat, especially if you're uh, a, a Hoosier alumni like myself, is a place called Mother Bear's Pizza. I think I told you about that. And yes, yes, so yes, you did. We went there. So it was great. It was great, but let's get into some NFL talk. The undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Looks like that's going to continue. You got the Jets. I mean, come on. Take it, eat it, chew this week. (laughs) (laughs) It should continue. I I mean, you know, it it, it could be a little bit of a trap game, too. I mean, next week's the big, you know, what could be a Super Bowl preview with the Dolphins coming to town for Sunday night Uh football. Uh, and the Dolphins pretty much have what amounts to a bye today, playing the you know the winless and hapless Carolina Panthers, who look like they're about to have a fire sale soon. So you know this could be a bit of a trap game for the Eagles, um, but I, it should you know listen, this team's done a good job staying focused all year. I don't I don't see a slip up now uh, going to New York. You know, uh, and you guys have been here before, and I've been here with you before, and we've had this very same conversation on this show about being undefeated and. You know, the longer it goes that you're undefeated, the more that pressure builds. And speaking of the Dolphins, uh, 
that was the last team that went undefeated. It, you're on, our good morning football and all that. Those conversations are already starting to happen. And I think, I think, uh, you know, even though a loss sucks, that no matter when you get it, and it would suck if you come, if you get it against the Jets or the Dolphins for that matter. But it, there is a part of you that says, okay, that monkey's off our back. Well, let's play some football. Is that, is that what's being discussed in the locker room? Are they saying, let's, if we're going to get a loss, let's get it over with sooner than later. Yeah, no, they're not really talking about a loss. I mean, you know, they're just trying to get better every week. So they're, they're not paying it any mind as far as undefeated go. I think last year when they got to like 7-0 and and 8-0 and and there was all that talk, you know, that might have impacted them a little bit. But, you know, this is the second straight year where they've gotten off to an undefeated start after, you know, five games and, you know, it almost feels like business as usual for these guys. It's like, you know, hey, we're, we're going to lose at some point. We understand that, but we're not going to make it easy for any team to beat us. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of what I sense is they're going to go out and they're going to they're going to give another team their best shot. They're not going to lay down or come out flat. I wouldn't think uh, at this stage. So you know, having gone through this last year, I think they're a little bit more, you know, uh, I don't know, immune to you know the. The, the hype and the pressure that comes with it, I would guess. Um, I, I mean, this was a Super Bowl team last year. Their their goal was not to go undefeated. Their goal was to get back to the Super Bowl and win it this time. So, you know, they're on that track right now at 5-0, and and their schedule gets tougher, you know, with the Dolphins, like I said, next week. And then you then you go back to, you know, you play the Commanders again who took them to overtime. You're doing you're playing them in their backyard. And then you have, like, a steady diet of the Buffalo Bills, the Dallas Cowboys, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, these are all playoff-type teams, and that's who the Eagles are going to be facing. So, yeah, they're not going undefeated. Um, but, you know, they just want to keep getting better and get back to the Super Bowl. Well, the hype it's going to be when you guys play the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's and it's not going to be because it's a Super Bowl rematch. You realize what's going to happen, don't you? <laughs> it's the Taylor Swift thing. That's what yeah. everybody's talking about. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey <laughs> we're not, we're versus Kelsey again. Now, yeah. Yeah. We're not going to go that, down that, that route. But Kelsey, mm-hmm. the brother, the Eagle Kelsey, his documentary has has hit like the number one of all time uh, streaming documentaries of all time. So I haven't got a chance to see it, but I've heard a lot of people say great things about it. I, I assume you've watched it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, really well done and really well made and gave you a good insight as to, uh, you know, what, you know, not just Jason Kelsey, but what other players kind of go through to get ready to play every week. Um, and, of course, it's a little more difficult for Kelsey because he's been in the league for, you know, 13 years. He's 35 years old. So, you know, he has to go through more of a routine. But, you know, players, you kind of overlook that. You know, players have to go through a lot to get their bodies ready to play, uh, you know, every week in what is a very physically taxing game. So I, I thought it was just a really good good job, and I would I would definitely – uh, recommended for sure for anyone who hasn't seen it. Well, de- I'll definitely watch it. Well, the good thing about you guys for this weekend, you are traveling north, but you're traveling to a team that you've never lost to. You're 12-0 of all time, uh, de- dating back se- several years. The Eagles are without some key players on the defensive side, but the good news is you're facing Zach Wilson, and I just don't see him striking the fear in any Eagles uh, defense, no matter who's playing. Uh, but do you, do you see that kind of being an issue on the road, also having some key uh, players on the defensive end uh, on the injured list? 
Yeah. Uh, well, for, first of all, Zach Wilson's not playing bad these last couple of weeks. He's completed over 70% of his passes. He's only thrown one interception for two touchdowns in the last two games. And they're one and one, the Jets, in those two games. And they gave the Chiefs all they could handle uh, when Kansas City visited New York. Uh, they only uh, lost 23-20 to 20 to the Chiefs. So, you know, they're, they're maybe finding their footing a little bit. Uh, I expect them to try to run the ball. The Eagles have the number one ranked run defense in the NFL. It's been very hard to run against them, only giving up 61 yards a game. And the big concern for the Jets is they lost their right tackle, Elijah Vera Tucker, and now they're throwing a second-year kid in there, Max Mitchell, who's lined up over Hassan Reddick, who had two sacks against the Rams last week and had 19 and a half of them last year. So uh, that's a concern for the Jets is that offensive line, especially the interior you're not going to have rookie Jalen Carter. He's out with a knee injury for the Eagles. But Fletcher Cox, you know, the all-world uh, defensive tackle, he's on the all-NFL you know, the uh, all NFL team from the 2010s, fantastic player. A little older now, not as dominant, but still extremely good. He missed last week's game, and he'll be back this week. And you still have Jordan Davis. You still have a very underrated and very, very good Milton Williams. Still have Josh Sweat on the outside with Brandon Graham you know, throwing in a few snaps. And of course I mentioned Reddick. So, you know, that defense is going to uh, make things a little tough for Zach Wilson. I would suspect Eagles are also without Darius Slay, their cornerback. That's kind of a big loss. The Eagles may throw in second year undrafted rookie free agent, Josh Job, who's gotten some time this year already. Uh, and they may go with Eli Ricks another undrafted rookie free agents. Both these kids are from Alabama. They've played in the SEC. They know what it's like to, go against some top-level receivers, and the Jets have one. Garrett Wilson, uh, extremely talented receiver, and if Zach Wilson can find him and get rid of the ball quickly, they, they could move the ball. Um, I just don't see them doing it too much in the run game. I know they sh- <clears throat> shredded the Broncos last week for 250-plus yards on the ground, but you know the Broncos' defense isn't the Eagles' defense, let's face it. So um, I think it's going to be a tall order for the Jets to find a way to score points uh, against this Eagles defense, no matter who's out there. They won't be Slater, mm-hmm. it won't be Carter. You put Justin Evans, their safety, he was put on the IR. I mean, the Eagles have had more injuries this year than they did last year, there's no doubt. And yet they've been able to, you know, use their depth to overcome them and get the 5-0. and And any, any concerns about Jalen Hurts? And I, I know he had, had like an elbow issue. And so any concerns with him at all? And yeah, health-wise, he's fine. Uh, you know, as far as we know, I mean, he's he's fine, healthy. You know, not not like last year. But this place, the Meadowlands, you know, the MetLife Stadium, yeah, that turf is notorious for causing injuries. He's been hurt on that turf before. He suffered a pretty bad ankle injury two years ago when the Eagles played the Giants on that turf. They've since replaced it, but you know, Aaron Rodgers blows blows out his Achilles heel on it. So uh, you know, I don't know how much better it is. Uh, but Hertz has thrown for over 300 yards these last two games. Last week he had his best rushing game of the season. He ran for 70, uh, 72 yards to lead the team. Uh, so, you know, he's uh, – you hate to see him do that very often. We saw in Indianapolis, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. doesn't know how to protect himself when he runs the football, and now he's on the shelf for six weeks or longer. Um, so that's what you worry about with Hertz. Like it was great to see him get some first downs with his legs last week, which I think he picked up three of them with his legs and they were third and pretty long when he picked those up, but you just hate to see him do that week in and week out. So he's learning how to me to become more of a pocket passer 
and I think we're seeing some growth in that area with what he's been able to do the last two weeks. Of course, it helps to have A.J. Brown as one of your wideouts who is just having a terrific streak these last three games, over 125 yards receiving the last three games. He's fourth in the league in receiving yards. I mean, he's just – I don't know how you stop him. You know, he's built like an edge rusher. Uh, he's huge. He's physical. And I know Sauce Gardner is pretty good with the Jets, but he doesn't travel. He pretty much stays on one side of the field. Uh, so who are you going to put him against? Devontae Smith? Uh, who, you know, another excellent receiver, or A.J. Brown. I just, it's, it's a handful uh, the Eagles have at receiver. And Jalen Hurts makes it all work and is getting better at finding these guys inside the pocket. But, you know, Swift is going to be at the Jets and uh, the Jets and Eagles game. DeAndre Swift. I've been gearing up for that all, all day. Oh, kidding. you had me there for a second. I'm like, well, wait, what? I missed something? <laughs> Good. Well All done. All right. I, I digress. Let's talk about put my homer cap on them. We'll go around the league. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we got some big stories with the Indianapolis Colts. Again, with the, the quarterback issue. Again, I love to say the words, I told you so. But, hey, I told you so. He shouldn't be running. He, he shouldn't be out there. He shouldn't be out there this early, blah, 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 blah. That train's already sailed. It's happened. What I said has come true. It's the Gartner Minshew show, which I'm excited about. I love his energy. He, he, he does well with the locker room. But in reality, there's a reason he's been a backup quarterback for three different teams in basically three or four different years. There's a reason for that. Uh, but we'll take him while we've got him. Gartner Minshew obviously takes the field. So let's start there, and then we'll talk a little bit about Jonathan Taylor and talk about the Colts-Jaguars matchup this week. Uh, but uh, Anthony Richardson sidelined for at least four weeks. I imagine it'd be closer to six weeks. Uh, so, you know, it'll be after the bye week. And will he play in Germany? Don't know. Don't think so. Uh, but the Colts have Gartner Minshew. You're familiar with Gartner Minshew. First of all, what are your thoughts about Anthony Richardson? who runs when he doesn't have to run. I get it. Sometimes you've got the pressure. You've got to run. You've got to do something. But he runs when he doesn't have to run. We, we, we can beat this horse to death, but it is what it is. Our franchise quarterback, this story's been told over and over and over again with the Indianapolis Colts. What are your thoughts, Anthony Richardson, on the IR? Yeah, listen, he just does what rookies do. You know, rookies are are quick to kind of bail from the pocket. You know, they're not used to reading defenses, a lot of them. They don't come into the league understanding how to read a defense. It's much different in college. So they kind of revert to, okay, if my first read's not there, and uh, you know, I'm going to try and make something with my legs. And, you know, maybe the Colts in hindsight didn't do him any favors starting him to start the year, but the, that's what the owner wanted. You know, I'm not sure Shane Steichen yeah. wanted that. But, you know, that was kind of the edict from the owner when he said we, the only way to get experience is to play him, so we're going to play him. So, you know, they played him, and instead of letting him kind of percolate a little bit on the sideline, watching Minshew work and, you know, reading defenses, having some film to study of what teams are doing to them. Uh, and, and, listen, it's a process. You know, you do learn to read defenses the more you play. That's talked about with Jalen Hurts. You know, he, he had a hard time reading defenses, so you do have to play to kind of understand the speed of what you're seeing on, a, on an iPad or something like that. But, uh, you know, maybe they shouldn't have played him. But, look, it's over. It's done with. He's hurt. 
Uh, now maybe, you know, he can use this time to kind of uh, study things a little bit, understand what defenses are trying to take away, where some of the weaknesses of a defense might be from play to play, and you hope he does. Um, and so as far as Minshew goes, I mean, yeah, he was here in Philly, backed up Jalen Hurts, played four games over two years here, and uh, very popular guy in the locker room. Guy, You know, teammates like him. Uh, and like I texted you, I think, during the week, it's time to go out and buy, you know, a headband and a, and a tie-dye shirt and start saying dude a lot because, <laughs> because that's the kind of guy he is, you know. He's he, he's that kind of guy, and you know, and I, and I like him. I like talking to him. He throws out the word dude a lot, and, you know, he seems pretty down to earth, and uh, I can see why his teammates like him. He, he is limited, there's no doubt, but, uh, you know, a best friend of a, of, an, of a quarterback, especially a backup quarterback is your run game, and Zach Moss looks like he's, you know, he's taking off here, and now you, you're going to bring in Jonathan Taylor into the mix, and you know, Minshew might not have to do a whole lot. Just make the plays that are there in the passing game. Don't try to force anything. Take care of the football. Don't turn it over. And, and let your running game uh, do what it does. Get behind that offensive line and pick up chunk yards. And Steichen loves to run the ball. He did it here in Philadelphia. The Eagles are one of the top running teams in, in the NFL the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, Steichen understands the value of it. Might not be pretty or sexy or anything people want to see, but it's effective and it can win games. And I expect that's what the Colts are going to try to do here and let Minshew just kind of manage the game uh, and play within his abilities to kind of manage a game. Well, Jonathan Taylor, as we know, has got his contract issues resolved. I, I've got my own conspiracy theories to think that maybe this was a, a plan all along. Uh, they had a plan all along to give him a contract. They just kind of wanted to let him go out there and and, and uh, roam about a little bit and then realize, hey, it, you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. And and let's, let's face it, he's still getting paid. He's still getting a lot of zeros. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. he, he's getting paid. He's getting paid. Uh, so, Jonathan Taylor back in the mix. You're right, Jack Moss. And, and you know what? I, I think – in a lot of ways, I think Zach Moss and doing how well he's doing took a lot of leverage away from Jonathan Taylor. And, and, and now we've got a one-two punch here that is great for Gardner Minshew to, to use. I like – of course, I like them anyway. But even if I wasn't a Colts fan, I like the Colts to go into Jacksonville and win. Uh, one, uh, it's got to take a toll two weeks being overseas in, in, in England – with Jacksonville, I know that they have our number at Jacksonville. All the more reason that the Colts have something to prove. We're a scrappy team in spite of everything. And if we can get some people uh, playing on all cylinders on Sunday, I think they got a good uh, good shot on, on winning against Jacksonville, which will put us first in the uh, AFC South. How about those biscuits? Uh, <laughs> Ed, what, what is your, what is your uh, thoughts on the matchup? And we'll go around the league here while we got a, few more minutes yeah i like those biscuits tom definitely yeah i i i love you know i love the coaching matchup peterson and steichen you know two guys with big ties to philly both have been to the super bowl with the eagles you know in different years uh but yeah i think the i think the colts can i, I know you know they don't do very well against the jags i, I think the I, I, you know, le at least lately, especially down there. Remember, they could have gone to made, make the playoffs last year with the Carson Wentz and 
you know, they couldn't get the job done in Jacksonville. But you're right. This is a different. This is a different Colts team. The Jags spent the last two weeks in England, and that that little jet lag coming back could could impact them a little bit. So, you know, I I like the Colts. I like the way Shane Steichen's coaching this team. He does have them playing well and believing in themselves. And uh, I think they can go in Jacksonville and find a win. Yeah, absolutely. Just because of those two things, the the return from England for the Jags and the way Steichen has the Colts playing. And the Titans are in England uh, this week, and they play play the Ravens. So, again, uh, some more football at 930 on a Sunday morning doesn't get any better than that. I think it's been a little excessive, and, and this is just my opinion. I think it's been a little excessive with the teams playing overseas this year, but it is what it is. Uh, I just think it's been a little excessive. I mean, obviously, the Colts are going to be in Germany, uh, so they're going to be part of that uh, overseas mix. So see what happens. But real quickly, let's just go around the horn here. Uh, Ravens are at the Titans. What are your thoughts there? Uh, Ravens at Titans, yeah, I mean – both teams coming off uh, disappointing losses, I think. I think the Titans lost last week. I know the Ravens did to the Steelers, and it was just a dreadful game for them. I mean, they, they had that game won, and they just couldn't put it away, and Pittsburgh came back and won. So, you know, I I, it's a, I don't know. I think the Ravens probably find a way to win. Uh, I just think they were embarrassed last week playing the Steelers, and uh, they'll go find a way to win for, somehow. So the Panthers are at the Dolphins. Uh, my my granddaughter's uh, favorite team, the Panthers, can't seem to find a way to make it work fully around. Frank Reich's at the at the helm, like Frank Reich, but it is the Dolphins. And as you mentioned earlier, the Dolphins are a tough team. What are your thoughts there with that matchup? Pass. <laughs> no, I I don't know. Listen, the Dolphins are going to clobber them. I think. I mean, listen, I you know sometimes things don't work out the way you expect, but I know the Dolphins are like a a two touchdown favorite here. And, you know, maybe they're looking a little bit ahead to the Eagles next week. And like what I said, could be a Super Bowl preview, um, Miami and Philadelphia. But listen, the Panthers just aren't, they're just not ready to win yet. Their offensive line is terrible. Miles Sanders is hurt already because, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say too much about that, but they're just not ready to win. Bryce Young's not ready to win. Their line is terrible. Uh, they're they're trying to you know last I saw they're trying to trade Jeremy Shin who who could end up here in Philadelphia. I know the Eagles really liked him coming out of the draft safety, uh, kind of a hybrid linebacker type player. The Eagles could use him. Uh, Brian Burns, their great pass rusher, apparently he might be on the market. Uh, Terrace Marshall, who's never really established himself uh, as a second round former second round pick from LSU, he hasn't really done much in the league. They're trying to trade him, so they're. The Panthers, let's face it, they're they're not in play for anything more than maybe the first overall pick again, uh, at which point they'd probably trade it to somebody that wants Caleb Williams from USC. Uh, so I don't hold out much hope that they're going to find any way to stay close to the Dolphins. And, uh, of course, you're not too worried about the Texans overall, but the Saints are on the road against the Texans. And, you know, I, I like the Texans to win this game. They're at home, but it's not going to affect us in the AFC uh, South standing. So uh, let's let the Texans get their win against the Saints. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, you, you're you and the and the Jags are playing for first place in the division, uh, right? You're both three and two. The winner sits atop right. the division, so that's huge. And right. You know, I guess as, as a Colts fan, you got to root for the Texans to lose. Uh, just they're two and three, and they'd be kind of still nipping at the heels at two and four. You're, 
the winner of today's game opens up a two-game advantage, which is big. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, the Texans were playing well until last week, and then they kind of slipped off a little bit. So uh, the Saints, you know, they're I think they're going to have their hands full with, with the Texans, and, you know, the Saints are still alive to win their division, three and two. So it's a big game for, for both these teams. But, uh, you know, I think the Texans can hold serve at home somehow. Last last game for this week, uh, the Atlanta Falcons are three and two. They're at home. They're hosting the Commanders, who are two and three. The Commanders desperately need a win, uh, and the Falcons are starting to come alive. I uh, like the Falcons in this matchup. What are your thoughts, the Commanders at the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, Bijan Robinson has proven to be all that. I love Bijan coming into the draft. I I was hoping the Eagles would take him. I kind of know their philosophy, though. They're not a big uh, they don't invest heavily in the running back spot, so I knew it was a long shot. But he's he's been fantastic. Uh, Commanders are, had, had ten days off here. They came into Philly, you know, kind of really, uh, I guess, put everything they had into trying to win that game, and they came up short. And then they turn around four days later uh, and lose to the Chicago Bears, who are playing better. Uh, so you're right; it's a big game for the Commanders. They've had ten days off. That's to their advantage, uh, I think the commanders find a way to get it done against the Falcons. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com and our official uh, NFL contributor. Ed, we appreciate you jumping on board with us. Uh, are you going to be headed up to uh, to the Meadowlands here today or tomorrow? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. well, it's only about an hour and a half from my house. So, yeah, I'm driving up uh, tomorrow, <laughs> are you taking tomorrow the drive? morning okay. at some point. Yeah, I'll drive up. Cover the game, work after the game, drive back, probably get back after, you know, 1 a.m. sometime. Uh, so, yeah, one day, in and out. One day, in and out. Business trip for Ed Kratz. I love it. Uh, so, I assume uh, that people can find your work and masterpieces on your Twitter and on SI.com, but officially, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yes, you nailed it. Twitter, Kratzy, at Kratzy, <laughs> and SI.com, backslash NFL, backslash Eagles is uh, – you know, all you need to know about the Eagles and how they're doing this year. Fly, Eagles, fly. Let's let's stay yeah. undefeated, all right, buddy? Get through the weekend and, and get that business trip done with, buddy. <laughs> make sure you wear make sure you're wearing your Eagles socks now, Tom. I understand you picked I'm up a new pair wear of Eagles Eagle socks. socks. That's right. I've got <laughs> Eagle socks and cold socks. I'm going to be changing socks uh, this weekend. That's right. <laughs> all right. Okay. That'll keep you busy. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk with you soon. We'll see you. Bye-bye. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, Adam Jibbin, uh, helping us break down week seven of college football. And Steve Wilson, uh, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor, uh, breaking down the happenings in Vegas playoffs, baby. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Make sure you're following us on social media, on the Twitter or the X, whatever we're calling it now at T-Balance Facebook. Find us on The Balance. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuce. Every time love, you can stand under my